Episode 232, Do You Manage or Lead? I'm Matthew Woods, host of Leading Out of the Woods, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. educators Gretchen here of always a lesson I am the host of the empowering educators podcast and I am making sure each time I come on the mic I am helping you stay empowered so you can hone your craft not just today or tomorrow but always we've got to stay learning and growing and as you've heard me say we are just losing too many great folks to other professions. And I think if I can truly help one person connect their dream and their goal and their vision to the reality of their situation right now, then I have helped generations of kids by having that impactful educator in the classroom and around the school building. I am referring to as an elite educator. No one is going to tune into a podcast to learn and grow their craft if they're not elite. So accept that characteristic as something that describes you. I'm really excited to be in your ear today. We're going to talk about having a bigger impact on teachers and students. And this episode is for all y'all. So make sure you tune in, hang tight. We're going to go for a ride. I've been learning a lot about leadership lately. It's one of my favorite things to read about. I think there's always an aspect of my leadership that could get better if I just was more intentional with it. And so I I like to discover what those aspects are. And I've also been engaging in a lot of different leadership opportunities right now in this season of life. Uh, One of the many benefits to COVID really (laughs) putting everything as we know it, um, Upside, turning everything as we know it upside down. And it's really forced me to think outside of the box and just show up the way I am and help and serve the way I can. So I'm coaching lots of folks who have a variety of positions. I facilitate my mastermind of instructional coaches and teacher leaders. And then I've been jumping on the app Clubhouse, which has been a game changer for me, just like I've always talked about Twitter chats being a place where I found my people, people that love education, who want to swap ideas and are beyond kind of the cutesy decor stuff. They're really in the nooks and the crannies of different instructional strategies. And I like to geek out about all that stuff. And Clubhouse is a a great way to do it without you having to show up and, you know, be sitting in front of a computer. You can just have your phone going and you could be on silent and just listen or you can chime in when you want to. And I've been running a lot of rooms on mentorship and coaching and I've enjoyed it. So if you uh, have an iPhone, they are only out for iPhones right now and you're interested in getting on the app, I'd love to have you. We have a club called Instructional Coaching, which runs the gamut of any sort of leadership. So if you, even if you're in the classroom and you mentor a teacher, you count. Uh, If you're an administrator, I know many of you tune in too. 
you count. We talk a lot about helping students and teachers in a variety of ways. So follow the club and join in on our weekly chats and feel free to moderate or participate on the panel or just ask a question. It's great. So like I said, I've been engaging in these different ways of leading people in addition to learning about, you know, my own leadership and where I need to grow. I, over the course of my career, had a varied experience of leading people. And in the story, it sounds like it all kind of grew organically. And it did, but it was much different as it was happening than when I look back and see it kind of as a timeline of events. I realize how each leadership position differed and created this dynamic that I have now. It's almost like I was learning one dimension at a time. And now that I've had all those experiences, I now have this wider lens, this bigger perspective. And it's pretty cool when I'm going to share with you what our, why I chose our topic, but it's really been helping me help other people as they are kind of doing the same thing of getting really good at one aspect of their leadership and trying to figure out where to grow next. And I've been having a lot of conversations with my husband. He's moved out of the law life and into a position where he's helping run a company and it requires a totally different set of leadership skills. We've been talking a lot about strategies of effective leaders and ones who manage and ones who actually lead. Um, He's had both types of leaders and we're trying to figure out what is going to be the best approach for him as he's leading these folks. And, you know, are you going to manage those unimportant daily tasks and make sure they're done exactly how you want them to be done? Or are you someone that kind of leads with this vision and you have goals and you empower other people to find the best way to do the things? And I'm not saying that there's one right way, but I'm definitely leaning more towards someone who gives a lot of rope with structure and place. And many of you listening are like, yeah, I I agree that I'm not one or the other. And there are different situations where you need to be more one way than the other. But I think in our conversation together today, you're going to be able to find that perfect balance in the scenario that you're currently in. In his situation, if you think about having an employee and then the person who manages them and then the CEO of the company, you can see how the duties of the CEO and the duties of the manager vary. However, they're both leaders and they are very distinct roles for distinct reasons. And we have to break down what our role is and which leadership style makes the most sense. If you think about in the school analogy, it would be you've got students, and then you have the teacher, and then you have this admin or this coach position. And and when are we managing? And and when are we actually being the CEO, the visionary, the true leader? And this topic I just thought was so good and so timely with 2020 being a crazy year, and a lot of us having to pivot in the way that we're showing up. I know a lot of my folks in the mastermind are showing up in ways that aren't in their contract. And it's really frustrating for them because they're doing things that they didn't think were technically underneath the umbrella of leadership. And I often pose to them, you know, are we just managing people or are we actually leading them? And if we're leading them, where are we leading them to? (laughs) Towards growth. And spoiler alert, you can actually be both a manager and a leader without changing your job, your role or your title. 
So on our agenda today, I'm going to give you a little background. We're going to talk about management versus leadership, and then I'm going to give you action steps. So it's a very simple formula. We're going to dive into some learning. I feel like we're all in class today. It's going to be good. So I was talking before about all the different roles I've had in education and my response to different leaders that I've had. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you kind of know my personality type in how I learn and grow under a leader. So I've had administrative leaders and I've also had people that managed me like they would check in constantly, um, motivate me. They'd invest in my future roles. They knew where I wanted to go and they knew how to get me there. So they would have a lot of chats with me that weren't necessary, that no principal was willing to have because they truly believed I was meant to grow in these other areas and I'd be a really great fit. And that being in the classroom was certainly essential and it was a great foundation, but they knew I could have a bigger impact in these different roles. And they were willing to help me figure that out and help me get prepared for that. But I've also had leaders who checked my lesson plans, gave me lots of observations, put data in my teacher mailbox that was highlighted with all these comments. And, you know, none of that's really motivating me to try things that are different or take risks or grow in a way that is outside of this very small box of what I was supposed to be doing. It was all compliance behaviors. And that's what a manager does. They, they manage the daily things and make sure all the boxes are ticked and everything's running smoothly. There is a place for that, especially in the classroom, uh, setting up those structures, routines, and procedures. However, if we only ever lead in that way, we create robots. <laughs> we actually deflate the talent that is within other people. We have to back up sometimes and think about who they are as a person and what they can do with their talent and how we can be a part of their story, how we can make that actually happen. And so thinking of being in the classroom, I was teaching, I was modeling, I was giving kids feedback. There was tons of structure. I had small groups based on trends, but it was still very personalized to those people. So it was a mixture of me showing, of me telling, and of me asking. I would say my strength was, you know, setting up systems, appointing students to be the leaders of those systems, and holding students accountable to do that on a consistent basis, that it ended up being a self-running classroom anytime a sub would come in. So it, it was great. I think the way I led was a mixture. My foundation was that I managed all the nitty gritty so that I could then back up and lead from a bigger vision. But without that management there, that layer, I wouldn't have been able to back up. So in the classroom for me, it was twofold. Uh, but I needed to do that more hands-on approach first before I could do what really mattered and what really helped grow my students, which was that bigger vision leader. When I was a cooperating teacher and had student teachers, it was so personalized. They were getting immediate feedback. I was modeling. We were co-planning, which was an open loop, meaning it continued to happen. It wasn't just a one conversation. So there was a lot of showing and telling 
there. Um, I started by giving a laundry list of these are pluses, these are deltas, meaning these are things to change. And some folks like that and some folks found it very overwhelming. And over time, I realized actually through coaching helped me realize that I just needed to prioritize my feedback on one area. It had to be the biggest, most important area. And even though there were other things that I needed to tweak, I just was going to get feedback on that one thing so they could focus on that, do better on that, and then I could go to the next domino in the list. And I could give them all the accolades, but a lot of folks always went to that delta column like, okay, what do I need to fix? Because they loved the immediate feedback and the fact that they could go right back in and try it and feel success. That got them excited. They didn't have to wait a week or wait the next day. And then when I was a new colleague mentor, so anyone that came um, on staff that was new, whether new to the district, new to the grade level, whatever, I did the training, I gave them a tour, frequently asked questions, I would pop in and check on them. We have our monthly meeting checklist. I would observation, uh, I would do observations. So that was again, more showing and telling just, I think I've talked about this before. I had a dreaded mentor experience where it just wasn't a good match. Like the, the person was on a different grade level and different timing and different curriculum down a different hallway. And we just never saw each other except for those monthly meetings, which was basically a more compliance checklist. Hey, have you done this? Are you prepped for this? Are you ready for this? And I never got better because of that, because I need a a quicker touch point more often And there were too many barriers to entry for that conversation. And so when I was a mentor this time, I made sure that there was this open loop and it was constant, but it was still very much more management. Um, When I became a professional development provider, that was a lot of direct teaching and facilitating practice, which is closed loop. I would see them. One time we'd have the session, we'd be gone. I wouldn't be able to follow up with them. And again, just lots of showing and telling it. So as you can see, this is a lot of handholding and not so much like elevating these people. But on those, in those relationships, I think a lot of that, that closeness and that tight grip was necessary because they were kind of learning the ropes. When I became that new teacher coach, that's where things started to grow. So I would do the personalization, we'd model, we'd practice, I'd give the weekly feedback. I would review lesson plans, provide professional development, but that was more open loop. I would do it constantly based on what they needed. But I was asking a lot more questions because these teachers needed the hands-on from me, but they really needed to find their place and their style in the classroom, and we were putting them in different positions throughout the district. So I had a invested, I had a vested interest in finding out more than just let me teach you how to teach, which is what all those previous roles were about, and why I was managing them. And those other roles, this one really required me to lead like, okay, let me manage you with these basics. But now I've got to figure out how I can partner you in the right environment where you're going to be successful and be an asset. And I needed to get to know them. Hey, y'all popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. And figure out how I can help enhance these certain skills. Then when I became a teacher coach, 
not just the new teacher coach, that was another level. It was still personalized with feedback and frequently asked questions. But then we had a lot more goal setting because these folks were ready for more. They, they were ready for beyond the basics, which was a lot of the management. They were like, okay, I got that. Now I'm ready to find out what level two is about. How do I add more flair? How do I look at data and adjust my instruction? And how do I really differentiate all aspects of my lesson, not just my small groups? So the level and the rigor of the conversations elevated, which allowed me to ask more questions, again, have that open loop of professional development and lead them to becoming their best self rather than being the dictator of this is how it's done, which is the more management style. Um, And now that I'm coaching coaches, it's the exact same, like, especially with these folks in my mastermind, it's all the brainstorming and the problem solving, just the way that that in itself is set up is not management whatsoever. They, they've got that they've got their own systems, they are ready for how do I have a larger impact? And what does that look like for me in this specific situation? And so there's lots of questions asked there and a lot more vision setting and riding alongside partnering which instead of you know leading from the front and especially when I'm consulting now I'm listening to the problem I'm giving advice we're planning out this roadmap which is a closed loop I rarely get to come back to those people unless they have you know additional appointments set up so that's a little different that kind of goes back to the management beast because I'm, I'm leading first, listening to how we can solve your problem. And then the roadmap piece goes back to the nitty gritty. So I want you, as I'm sharing my roles of different leadership, think about where you fall. What are the different hats you put on? When are you managing? When are you leading? Is it the appropriate way to help someone in that situation? And if it is, then I want you to think of how you can do that better so that you can have a bigger impact and move to that leadership level where it's a little more hands off, but it's a way to really help them become better and stronger. And I just want to remind you that you don't have to have a title to lead. So I was giving you examples of my titles But a lot of this stuff was happening before I was officially titled that. And in fact, if you want to read or listen to a podcast where I talked about you don't need a title to lead, go back to episode 133. We will link it in the show notes to this episode. But in terms of which role is which, and I've mentioned both are leadership management, though, is that nitty gritty, that close contact You've got these predetermined checkpoints. You need a lot of approval. There are a lot of repeated tasks, uh, performance data, super structured, almost very formal. And that was teaching, cooperating teacher, uh, mentor, consulting, and PD, kind of by default, just because the way those are set up, not just because that was the way I chose to lead. Um, And it's kind of necessary if you are low performing or new, you need a lot of guidance and a roadmap. You need that that smaller detail and that close hold. Um, it can be really debilitating if you're creative or you were like me, you kind of already had your high expectations of yourself and you came in with this foundation of the nitty gritty already figured out and you were ready for more, but no one was willing to show you what more looked like for you. They just kept trying to help you with the things you've already been able to figure out and it's kind of like slowing you down 
And because it's so holding so tight, you really start to lose what made you great, which is that you naturally think outside the box or you're you're ready to take risks. And so when you think of people you support, already you're probably envisioning the folks you need to hold on tight to, <laughs> make sure they don't derail, whether they are new, uh, clueless, or they're just, they just want to buck the system. But then you've also got the folks that you know, if you get too close or you harp too much, that they actually do worse. So you almost need to just leave them alone and let them figure it out and give them a little push when they need it. And that's what this episode's about, is to really reflect on yourself and to reflect on the people that you lead, especially if they're students in your classroom. When it comes to coaching, which is what a lot of, I think, great leaders do, which is a little more hands-off, a little more big vision and goal setting, you've got backwards planning of how you're going to get somewhere. You're troubleshooting all your obstacles, you're modeling, you're practicing, your feedback. It's this whole amazing loop as you get stronger and better. It's responsive to like what you need in this very specific situation rather than a one size fits all. And because of that, it makes it a little informal. And I think people grow better in that environment. However, if they haven't had the management of some of the smaller pieces first, I don't know that they'd be successful. I actually think they would sink. So I'm kind of on the fence as to what I think is more effective because I think you need both, but I definitely think you need less management and more of that leadership of that coaching in order to truly help someone blossom. I agree. There is a time and there is a place. You just got to think which leadership type is best for the situation or the person. Each has their benefits, but each is not for everyone and everything. So if you want more guidance, which was like me, you know, I had a student that just needed room. He, his name was Joseph and he was hilarious, but he would not have done well in a classroom where the teacher was on top of them all the time with how things should look, how things should be done. And it's funny that I say this because my classroom was very structured, very, this is how it goes because it's smooth running. It's efficient. But I also recognized when someone didn't need that, that they and I had this special understanding. Things could look a little different. Their learning experience could be different as long as they met the requirements. And he was one of those people. And he just blossomed that year. People are like, I don't know how you could stand that child. You know, he's never listening or doing what you're asking him to do. And I said, he's not doing it the way you want him to do it. So you need to step back and say, what is more important that he follows it in this very specific way or that he's able to produce what you're asking. And in the end, this child was so brilliant and he is going to be successful no matter what. He did struggle being in the confines. And that's exactly how I felt as a teacher when a leader was like, manage, manage, manage. I was like, oh, I don't do well with that. And he was like that. And if I didn't have him, I don't think I would be able to connect leadership to that experience. He was like me with a leader and he really opened up my eyes to what, what do I wish I would have had a leader do for me? And I became that for him. And just watching his own personal progression that year was astounding. And I think that was the hardest thing I ever did was break out of my bubble of how I responded and differentiate how I led somebody because I wanted to be fair 
but I realized the difference between fair and uh, equal. And so I would say we both would do well, Joseph and I, with someone who would coach us along because we had the basics. We're ready for more, more hands off, goal setting, the roadmap, check-ins, all of it. But there, then there's that management piece. Students sometimes need more clarity, like they got the messy desk. What does a messy desk look like? Why do we need to have a clean desk? Where does everything go? We had to break down big projects into smaller checkpoints. Kids had behavior self-checks in the corner of their desk. You know, every few minutes they were checking to make sure they were on point and done all these different things that they and I had decided ahead of time. Uh, some people just need that. That's more hand-holding, more telling, more dictating the goals or the focus area. You've got these constant guardrails. It makes me think of a, a bowling alley where some don't have the bumpers and some do. When you're leading, some people just want to break wide open. They don't want any bumpers. But then there are the people that absolutely need the bumpers on until they're comfortable and until you get them to a certain point. And so you need to say, bumpers on, bumpers off. How do I need to be for this person in this specific situation? And which is most appropriate? Which is going to be most beneficial? And it was hard for me because I am a bumper person. I just provide that kind of structure and routine. But some kids don't need the bumper. And I just think of myself. I don't want a leader who forces me to use the bumpers. (laughs) So I hope that analogy helps you. In terms of the classroom, you know, setting up those systems and processes that then can be self-managed by the students is really a a happy medium. It's nitty-gritty detail that then prevents the misbehaviors or the confusion, and it allows students to have autonomy and independence. So it it very well marries together these two ideas of of how to lead. And then when you work one-on-one, you decide what type of leadership students need, hands-off, hands-on, adjust your style accordingly. Even if students need structure and more accountability measures, you can still lead them in a way that over time they're going to grow to need you less. So don't hold on so tightly uh, that they depend on your guardrails. Teacher leaders, whether it's an official title or not, repeat that process that I just explained to you. Set up your systems and your process for supporting teachers, just like you did for students, like observation checklists so they know what it's going to be like, what's the flow of the conversation, do they need to bring anything, maybe have office hours for help so you're always providing an opportunity to check in, have goal setting so you get to know who they are and what they want to accomplish and how you can help them get there, and then you can work one-on-one and just adjust. Do I hold tighter? Do I let loose? And FYI, that may change based on someone's life season or work stress, you know, certain times of the year, just because a teacher struggles, doesn't do what they should or needs lots of assistance, doesn't mean everybody needs you to be that way. You've got to learn how to adjust to the people that are in front of you. Flexibility and how we show up to serve people demonstrates our strength as leaders. If we lead one type of way for everyone, then we serve no one. And so I want to give you some some action steps today. First, review your roles. Where are you leading? And as a reminder, you don't need a title to lead. You can lead in the classroom. You could lead clubs on campus. You could lead after school jobs. Just what are, what are your roles? What are the different hats you wear as a leader? 
Two, I want you to then categorize those roles. Are they more management or are they more coaching, vision, leading? Three, I then want you to categorize the people that you lead. Who of those group, who in the group needs more management versus more coaching hands-off style? And then fourth, evaluate your effectiveness. So could you do less management? How could you coach with more structure? Where can you ask better questions? How can you model instead of tell? Where can you push yourself to do more of what they need and less of what you've been taught or that your personality wants or whatever's easiest, you know, like the whole one fit, one size fits all. So those action steps were one, review your roles, two, categorize your roles, three, categorize your people, and four, evaluate your effectiveness. And just keep doing that on repeat until you feel like you know who needs what and you're able to easily, seamlessly switch between the two. Do you want a bonus action step? If you know what you need as a learner, much like I did, don't be afraid to tell those who lead you. Like let them in on that information. You can be kind and be informative. You're not telling them what to do. You're just saying, here's how I know I'll be even better, which not only benefits you, but my colleagues and students. They're really going to thank you for that insight. And maybe together you can then set goals to be more flexible and daring in the way that you lead. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on growing from managers to leaders, whether you're in the classroom or around the school building. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. (laughs) 